Greetings. My name is Blake Schmida alongside Leo Menchetti, and welcome to the American Valor Podcast. On the American Valor Podcast, supported by the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation, our goal is to educate and inspire with acts of valor that embody the traits which National Baseball Hall of Famer and United States Chief Petty Officer Bob Feller lived by. Citizenship, service above self, and commitment to country in a time of great national need. Hi, Cole. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. So I want to get start off with what are some of the recent policies that Mission Roll Call is advocating for in an effort to reverse the trend of veteran suicide? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and frankly, a question that a lot of people that are unfamiliar with our organization typically ask. Um, we're a national nonprofit, and our mission is to more or less take the issues that are most important to the veteran population and educate lawmakers and other policymakers in D.C. Um, about their thoughts on policies that are under consideration. Um, we've seen veteran suicide as the number one policy concern of veterans. Um, we have over a million veterans on our list. That's like the number one concern of theirs nationwide. Um, so a lot of things can feed in to trying to tackle that issue because suicide's not caused by any one thing. It could be a mental health care challenge. It could be a general health care issue or benefits issue. It could be financial stress. Um, we kind of take a look at this holistically. And our biggest initiative that we're really trying to advocate for uh, in an effort to reverse the trend of veteran suicide is one that's not legislative uh, in nature. It's more of a, um, a messaging and a, and a funding question from VA. But we want the Secretary of Veterans Affairs um, to prioritize and make suicide prevention the VA's number one priority. Um, right now, it is 4B on a list of one through six. Um, the President, uh, President Biden just released his budget request and the VA, uh, their suicide prevention budget is $497 million, which sounds like a lot, uh, but it's actually $100 million less than last year. Than last year and it's only one-tenth of 1% 1 of the entire $301 billion VA budget request. So we want them to prioritize this by making suicide prevention their number one priority. One, it would you know, hopefully translate to a increase in funding for outreach initiatives uh, to try to capture veterans that are not engaged otherwise with VA that may be struggling with suicidal ideation. Um, but two, the VA, a lot of people don't know that it's the largest healthcare system in the country and it's the second largest federal agency. So it's huge, it's complicated. And because of that, local VA administrators and directors of healthcare facilities have pretty broad discretion on how to allocate funding and resources um, based on the secretary's priorities. They take their cues from his priorities. So we want him to have suicide prevention listed as his number one priorities to send a message to all these local folks to say, you really should be laser focused on this issue. Make sure you prioritize this through suicide prevention coordinators, um, through partnerships with community organizations. So it really is a big deal, though it's not legislation per se, um, but that's what we've been focused on. That's kind of incredible to me that as that little of the budget towards, um, you know, veteran protections goes towards 
suicide prevention. You know, that's quite literally saving lives. But I was curious, um, on kind of a more personal level, what does it mean to you to have served our nation and now be advocating for others who have done the same in Capitol Hill that are also veteran? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, my personal story, I, I had a uh, suicide attempt back in 2014 uh, after I got out of the Marine Corps. I uh, didn't have a job, wasn't in school, um, was at the lowest point of my life. I like to, you know, to joke that the worst parts of my life are in the congressional record because I've testified about this. So um, it's huge because I've found my purpose uh, and, and my overcoming my own obstacles has been made easier by trying to help other people overcome theirs. There's a huge sense of fulfillment and gratification um, from doing that. This uh, next question is more community oriented. oriented. Uh, what are some simple, but yet like important ways that people can help uh, veterans in their communities? It's a great question. And it's another one um, that I get very frequently because, you know, the, the civilian population is more disconnected than ever from veterans and from active duty, frankly, because at any given time, less than 1% of the American population uh, is currently serving. And 80% of uh, veterans report having an immediate family member that served, meaning that military service is really becoming a family business. Um, and combined with the, you know, the stereotypes of veterans out of Hollywood and in the media as either heroes or ticking time bombs, um, you know, it's, there's a huge swath of people in the middle, right? Uh, but the population doesn't have any touch point uh, or frame of reference for those people. So people always ask, how can I help? Um, but they don't know how, and they look for organizations like mine to get answers to that question. Um, oftentimes I say, you know, volunteer with local community organizations. They may or may not be veteran focused, but they may serve some veterans in their community. Because as I mentioned, uh, when we look at suicide prevention, at the moment of decision, when a veteran has lost the will to live and feels alone, um, it, it's precise, it could be a mental health related issue, but um, only about 30% of Iraq and Afghanistan veterans have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress or another mental health care condition. So it's not always a result of a service-connected mental health issue. Uh, a lot of times it has to do with financial stress or relationship stress, or maybe a unrelated healthcare issue or benefits issue and trying to deal with the VA. Um, so volunteering with a local organization that helps veterans is a great way to accomplish two things. One, becoming more familiar with issues that affect veterans, but two, make a friend with a veteran. You know, I see all the time these uh, social media campaigns where people are doing you know, 17 or 20 or 22 push-ups a day to raise awareness for the veteran suicide epidemic. And I, I totally understand and appreciate raising awareness, um, but a more effective tool to help reverse this trend may be to, you know, pick up a phone for 17 days in a row or 22 days in a row um, and call a veteran and really just make sure that they feel like they're not alone and they've got at least one person 
that um, if they start dealing with with issues and suicidal thoughts, that they have the ability to pick up a phone to call or text or or hang out with somebody. Because um, connection and meaning is is really the biggest thing, um, in my experience, uh, that that people feel like they lack when they're in that moment. That's great, and and I know you had kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, we know that you've personally helped several men you served with um, who also struggled with thoughts of suicide. And, and what other things do you think people who have not served um, can do to help our veterans struggling with thoughts of suicide? Yeah, I, I the reason I came on board with Mission Roll Call. Um, it's a great organization. Before that, I worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs and then um, in the U.S. Senate on veterans policy. Um, I came to Mission Roll Call because after the uh, botched withdrawal of Afghanistan last year, I had um, th- three men that I served with, though certainly um, I heard from men and women uh, that I served with. Um, but three men I served with were having uh, serious issues. Um, and I had to talk three of them down off uh, suicide. One had a gun to his head. Another was uh, driving intoxicated and talking about running off the road. Um, and really when you, you know, I have no clinical training or, or formal training in dealing with these situations, but I've done it enough times where I start to notice patterns. And again, um, these, these men and women feel like they just don't have anybody to turn to. Usually they feel alone. They feel misunderstood and, and disconnected and, um, and they've lost purpose in their life. Um, or, you know, if, if they have a mental health issue, it could be exacerbating, you know, the way they feel they had their purpose. So one of the gentlemen had a family, right. And for a long time, um, that became his purpose in the post-military world, but um, sometimes mental health issues can kind of skew your perspective of, of your purpose. So trying to help reorient themselves uh, to what that is, is, is super important. For the general public, it's hard for veterans to connect with people that they don't feel have similar experiences, similar experiences to them. Um, but it's not impossible. And certainly there were a lot of people when I was struggling um, or when anybody is struggling um, that reach out and that's still very impactful. So again, I just go back to being personally connected uh, to the extent possible. And if you don't have any personal connections in your family or friend group that are themselves veterans, um, go out and volunteer at a veteran organization. Um, it doesn't have to be much. It could be a couple hours a month, uh, but that'll give you a touch point and the access to somebody in your community um, that you can develop a relationship with. And even if they themselves are not struggling, they may have a friend that's struggling. And you could be someone that works in finance that, you know, this person says, hey, I've got a friend that's really struggling financially, and he's not really sure what to do about this situation. Could you at least talk to him and, um, you know, give him some advice on how he can, you know, better himself or whatever. Things like that can be super powerful. Recently, uh, you were involved in writing and advocating for the PAWS Act. Can you kind of mm-hmm. dive into what this process was sort of like? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I had a suicide attempt back in 2014. Um, in a nutshell, I, you know, I was using VA. I was prescribed sleep aids and antidepressants. 
um, for post-traumatic stress because the VA doesn't actually have any pills for post-traumatic stress. They, they prescribe them for symptoms. Um, and that wasn't working for me. Traditional therapy wasn't working for me. So um, after the suicide attempt, I, I quit the, the pills and um, the therapy for a time and sought another way. So I had enough money, thankfully, to invest in a service dog. Uh, her name's Kaya. She's a German Shepherd. Um, and I found that it worked wonders for me uh, because a dog can provide a sense of purpose that pills just never will be able to do. And uh, again, if a veteran finds themselves alone and maybe having drank too much or whatever, um, and they look at this dog and they say, well, at least the dog, you know, is here for me. I can't leave this dog. And it provides them a sense of purpose because they have to take care of it and whatnot. So I felt like this could be a very powerful tool to prevent uh, veteran suicide, but the VA didn't provide any funding for veterans um, to have access to them. So I drafted the initial version of uh, what became known as the PAWS Act, which is an acronym for Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members, um, and shopped it around on Capitol Hill to see who would support it. Um, at the time, it was then Congressman DeSantis um, who sponsored the bill. It was hugely bipartisan, uh, but Congress doesn't do anything usually uh, quickly. Uh, and for something even as as simple and bipartisan as, as helping service members overcome uh, post-traumatic stress or other mental health challenges, it still took a few Congresses uh, to you know compromise and talk about that legislation and get it across the finish line. So uh, President Biden actually signed that last year, last August. Um, so I was glad to see that get over the finish line. Uh, it's not exactly the way I had originally uh, wrote the bill nor intended it to pass, but it still gets more dogs in the hands of veterans. So I chalk it up as a win. Curious, how is, how is Kaya doing now and um, what kind of impact does she continue to have on your well-being and, and continue Kaya's, to be a helpful presence yeah. in your life? Yeah, Kaya is great. Um, she, her birthday is actually next week. She'll be eight. Uh, so, you know, we're going to uh, buy her a, a, a puppy friendly cake. Um, but she's great. And, and, you know, she was originally trained to wake me up from nightmares and, uh, do what's called animal assisted intervention, which, um, they can recognize in, in certain instances where they're trained, um, you know, uh, rising blood pressure levels or insulin levels or, or things like that. In my case, she was trained to recognize um, when I was having anxiety attacks and she would get in my face and lick my face. And, and it, it, it was a way of helping to prevent the snowball effect of that anxiety, that depression, and, uh, and kind of slow my heart rate. Um, and there's actually scientific evidence to prove that when fingers meet fur, you know, um, stress levels get reduced. And I think anybody who's ever owned a dog could tell you that, but, um, so she, she still has that ability though. I certainly don't, um, need it as often anymore. I, I feel like I've largely, um, learned to, you know, mitigate my symptoms and, um, and, am doing well for myself personally. Um, but she's doing really well. For anybody that that wants to wants to follow her on Instagram, she's got an Instagram. It's just at k a y a l y l e. But um, she's good. 
Cole, uh, you mentioned before kind of the, the hectic nature of uh, politics. In, in regards to your experience in politics, does the slowness of uh, bureaucracy ever kind of become frustrating when it stalls, you know, your goal of trying to help veterans? And uh, if so, how do you combat this and try to, like, remain patient through this process? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, because the answer is um, yes, it becomes excruciatingly frustrating uh, when bureaucracy, um, you know, stalls trying to help veterans. I mean, to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why we're advocating that suicide prevention become VA's number one priority. Advocate for increased funding, advocate for the director of the suicide prevention office to be a direct report to the secretary instead of um, instead of ha having its own office and directing to the um, Veterans Health Administrator um, director. But having worked at VA and seen it on the inside, um, and again, it is a huge bureaucracy and the status quo has just failed. I think that um, it's, it, it's frustrating for a couple of reasons. One, because I know that the vast majority of people that work at VA have very good intentions and they really want to help veterans. Um, but after a while, you know, fighting the internal bureaucracy, you just feel sometimes like you do all this work and you're spinning your wheels. Um, and, you know, some people, it becomes abstract. They deal with big numbers and budgets and things like that all day. And they kind of lose sight of that individual veteran because they're not dealing with veterans very often. Um, it was interesting because every day I would go to work at VA, um, they have security guards at the front of VA. And it's almost as difficult to get into the VA central office as it is to get into the White House um, or going through TSA. It's, you know, so people that work in the building, um, many of them are veterans, um, but they still don't, you know, stay active in their veteran community or, you know, they, they sit in their office all day and they become numb to the reality because they're just dealing in the abstract all day. Um, so it can be very, very frustrating, but I think um, personally, I just try to ground myself in the fact that the mission is important and uh you know literally trying to just save people's lives i'm not certainly i'm not saying that i myself am responsible for saving a lot of lives or anything like that but um but the mission to save veterans lives is is super important and it's urgent and i think the second reason it can be so frustrating is because when we talked earlier about the budget being one-tenth of one percent for suicide prevention outreach there are 18.2 million veterans in the United States and only 9.2 of them are enrolled in VA care, meaning the VA doesn't even touch 50% of the veterans in the United States. And the suicide prevention budget uh, is really meant for outreach initiatives to try to get more veterans uh, into the VA or at least engaged in some way with the VA. So the fact that it's such a tiny portion of their budget request um, is frustrating. And the VA will say, well, it's, it's, a, it's a part of our larger mental health budget, which is 13 point something billion dollars. Um, but the mission of that funding is really to increase access and quality of care for veterans that are already in VA. So the department's uh, perspective here on that they refuse to, to change is that mental health and evidence-based treatments 
are, you know, the way to stop veteran suicide and to reverse the trend of veteran suicide. And that just, I mean, just objectively, it has not worked to this point. And in my opinion, which is some would say expert level, it will never work. Um, so until there's a shift in perspective at VA, uh, which will be a challenge because it's a huge bureaucracy, um, you know, I, I don't see this problem getting better soon. I had one last question for you. I know all three of us in some capacity are, are baseball fans. And I was curious, in what ways could you see sports, whether it be baseball or not, um, being a way for veterans to ease the depression and thoughts of suicide that take 22 veteran lives a day? Well, um, I, I think a couple of things. One, um, getting involved in sports, if you're actually personally playing sports, um, the, the physical exercise always helps, um, you know, being trying to keep your mind sharp while playing a game. Um, it helps. Certainly it is a game, right. And, and I think veterans can get very, very competitive. So it can start to, uh, you know, elicit some of those competitive juices that they once felt while they were in the military. Um, but it, but it's just fun. It's a game, right. And then even just watching, uh, baseball or I, you personally, I'm a college football fan myself. I uh, went to Texas A&M. So um, I think even just watching and the sporting event, going back to connection and meaning a community of people that are banded together to support a team um, and that team's cause, be it, you know, winning a college football national championship or the final four or whatever. Um, I think being a part of a community it goes back to, again, they, they feel like they're a part of that community. And I think that's why sports can be very, very powerful in helping um, individuals potentially as, as a piece of a larger puzzle. I think it can help people overcome a lot of their personal issues. Yeah, sports can definitely be a great escape, you know, from life sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, Cole, I really appreciate you having you on the podcast. You were a great guest and uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. Um, have to our listeners, this concludes this episode of the American Valor podcast. This conversation is brought to you by the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation, the Department of the Navy, Major League Baseball, USAA, BWXT, Huntington Ingalls, and the Cleveland Guardians. Please feel free to leave your comments in the comment section below and connect with the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Active Valor Award. You can engage with the foundation at activevalorward.org. There, you can learn more about Bob Feller, Jerry Coleman, recent nominees of the awards, view pictures, and sign up for updates, including the American Valor podcast and more. For Blake Schmida, Liam Manchetti, and everyone at the American Valor podcast, Thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.